You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners, and welcome back to Earth Station One. That's right, folks. Hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas, and we decided to do something fun for our last show of the year. We're giving you a movie double feature. That's right, folks. We are going to the movies, and we had a ton of fun. We actually got to see two, that's right, count them, two movies, and we are going to be talking about, that's right, we are going to be talking about Matrix Resurrections, but we are also talking about The Kingsman. It will be very interesting to talk about two very different type of films, but carrying on the tradition from their predecessors. How did they do? How did they survive? Did they not? Did they thrill us? Did they not? Did anyone fall asleep during them? We'll talk all about that. So it's going to be a fun time tonight. We've got a fantastic crew to talk about it. Of course, let's talk about Mr. Mike Gordon. Happy Christmas, Mr. Mike. Howdy! Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes, we are uh, uh, giving everybody a uh, post-Christmas present. I don't think we've ever done two movies in one show before. No, I thought that, you know, I stole from our network friends the double feature, you know. You know, and and, I, and 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 right, right, yes, yes. We're yeah, we, we've never done the double bill uh, thing before. So, nope. um, and uh, you know, depending on how things go, we may never do it again. Exactly. It might be a disaster or it might be a ton of fun. So we have one half of our movie crew also with us tonight. Let's welcome Ashley Pauls. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Merry Christmas, my dear. And same to you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And it's, you know, it's going to be interesting. Two movies. So we're putting you double time and we're, yes. we're, doubling, your, we're doubling your pay for this one, too. Yay. Oh, I'm so excited. I'll be waiting no, patiently just, for the it's, check. It's just one episode. So no. yeah. <laughs> oh, darn it. It's always worth asking. Twice as much work. That's what we're going to demand of you next year. Mm. Oh, man. Double feature every time. So. <laughs> well, you know, the way these movies are coming out, sometimes we might have to do some double features in that. But it's going to be a lot of fun. weird to get used to as things are starting to come back into the theaters more it's like oh this is what it used to be like but it feels weird that there were two movies in one week that i'd be interested in seeing well and and there was one movie that we're not doing that was actually like uh that was released that was uh, i think bigger in the box office which was sing two yeah so yep. i mean it was a big it was kind of a big box office uh but not for the two movies we're talking about so, but we'll talk <laughs> nope. about that later no, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. So, you know, me and the four people who saw Kingsman today really loved it. So it will be fun to talk about that. And we have a couple guests joining us. Of course, we're turning back to the show. Jen Adams is here. Hey, Jen. Happy holidays, everybody. How are you? I'm good. Recovering. You know, well, I mean, it's not like it was that hectic of a holiday, but recovering from one and getting ready to celebrate another in just a few days. It's always that odd week of the year where your liver only has like 36 hours to recover before you got to destroy it all over again. 
I know. I've been busy building a new batch of apple pie for the new year, so it's good. <laughs> I was going to ask if the the big question is: Have you have you still recovered at all from Dragon Con? Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I recovered. Wow. Oddly enough, I recovered pretty quickly. But yeah, for New Year's we're doing a bunch of tiki drinks. So oh. uh, uh, please send your address to a, Mike Gordon. <laughs> it will be a rough New Year's Day. I have a feeling because <laughs> I make very strong mai tais. Woohoo! That is awesome. Well, welcome back. We have a newbie Thanks, with man. us also tonight. Let's welcome Steve Fowler to the show. Steve, thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate the invite. So tell us a little bit about you. You know, we've seen you on the ESO group before, but, you know, want to tell everyone about you since this is your first time up on the show? Um, essentially just a, a longtime geek. Um have uh, tried my best to instill those uh, same values in my children. Hmm. Uh, father of four boys, um, ranging in age from 12 to 20. Um, by the time my uh, my oldest was 18 months old, he could uh, not only tell you the um, names of all of the superheroes, the Marvel legends and things, he could also tell you their secret identities. So uh, it gives you a little bit of a an idea about how, you know, geekly my children were raised. <laughs> you have raised them right, my friend. You raised, have done good. That's, that's right. That is awesome. And I could tell you have four kids because you have the gray in your beard already. So, <laughs> <laughs> Those are highlights. Trust me. I had them done especially for this. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. You wanted that <laughs> Dr. Strange look. I got it. Yeah, you <laughs> There you go. Well, it's great to have you here. And thank you for joining us. Of course, we want to, you know, say a big thank you for all our friends out there. And thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you know, we got some great feedback from folks who said great job for us talking about Spider-Man last week. And come on, congratulations to Spider-Man, the first movie of 2021 to pass a billion dollars. And that's, you know, just within, what, two and a half weeks? That's not too shabby, folks. That's pretty darn awesome. So... At least things are maybe turning back to normal, whatever normal is anymore. But of course, we would love to hear from you guys. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Let us know what you guys think. Tell us how you guys are doing. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Also, you know, you can listen to our show if you if this is your first time listening, like you heard about us through Spider-Man or other some of our guests that have appeared on the show. Thank you guys for listening. But of course, please subscribe to our show. We can be found up on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, Amazon, you know, you name it, where all the big boys are, Earth Station One is there too. Tagging along and holding on to their, you know, little coats and you know, everything, saying, Please listen to us, please listen to us. So of course, that is our holiday wish. You know, give us five stars. That would be great. And if you don't like the show, give us five sarcastic stars. That also counts. So it's also a great thing to do. But of course, of course, we also want to say thank you to our patrons. And, you know, as we like to say, our patrons are our lifeblood up here on the ESO Network. And, you know, as Earth Station One is a founding member of the ESO Network. And, you know, basically... This is how we keep the lights on on the station. This is how we do it. And as our patrons, we want to just say thank you for everybody who, you know, has been supporting us, has been, you know, coming with us, you know, along for the ride. And, you know, we just love you guys. And it's just, 
always great to be able to say thank you, thank you for it. And, you know, as we grow, as we change, how we evolve, I'm very happy to say we are getting ready to record the second episode of Rants and Raves. Um, Mike and I are going to be doing that this week. And this one, it's going to be a good one. Mike and I are going to be talking about the TV show on Hulu called Only Murders in the Building. So it should be a ton of fun talking about Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. A lot of fun there, folks. You too can help get this stuff going and subscribe to the Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. And you know what? All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. We thank you for everything, as we always like to say. Also, big thank you to Tofosi Optical. Tofosi Optical, the fine sponsor of the Earth Station One podcast. Tofosi Optics has an amazing range of sunglasses and safety goggles and sporting glasses and blue light blocking glasses and safety masks. Everything you could think of, Tofosi has it. And as a big special, you could put in Earth Station One into the coupon code. And guess what, folks? You get 10% off your whole order. Just not one pair of glasses. Your whole order. So if you buy more, you get more off. It's pretty decent. And Tifosi Optical has some amazing stuff. All you have to do is go to TifosiOptics.com and tell them Earth Station 1 sent you. We can't see it. But we're all trapped inside these strange repeating loops. Billions of people just living out their lives, oblivious. But this is the moment for you to show us what is real. I remember this. And yet it's obviously all wrong. Maybe this isn't the story we think it is. They taught you good. Made you believe their world was all you deserved. But some part of you knew that was a lie. Some part of you remembered what was real. It's so easy to forget how much noise the Matrix pumps into your head. Something else makes the same kind of noise. War. What happens to Nia? The most important choice in Neo's life not his to make. She believed in me. It's my turn to believe in her. Part of me feels like I have been waiting my whole life for you. If you want to see Trinity again, fight for her!
All right, Mikey, are we going for the movies now? <laughs> we can go to the movies, or in this case, in our first selection, we can just stay at home and watch it on HBO Max. Uh, a lot of and, a lot of people I know went to go see this at the theater, though. They got wow. to see Matrix, you know, at the well, theater. Well, it, it it did all right. Um, unfortunately, Alex isn't here, uh, so but um, you know, I have been looking at the box office. Uh, I did uh, take a peek at the box office numbers for both these movies. And uh, yeah, everybody, we're just uh, all movies right now. All of Hollywood is just living underneath uh, Spider-Man's shadow at this point. Um, as you as you pointed out, it's well on its way. To, it's already made over a billion dollars world, worldwide. Um, it dropped about 70% uh, this week, um, which is probably due to Omicron. Um, and uh, I don't know if it's going to, it's on its way to probably be one of the top 10 grossing movies of all time in the States, but that's going to depend on a lot of things. So, so everything is, is sort of in that shadow and, you know, the, the buzz is still pretty good on it. And I, I think both these movies, uh, actually all the movies sing to Kingsman and uh, uh, Matrix Resurrections uh, got a little bit hurt by that. Um, uh, I think um uh, Matrix was third with around 22.5 million in the United States and Canada. Um, so far, it's got about 70 million total uh, worldwide. Uh, it hasn't been released everywhere yet, but um, it's uh, it's doing OK. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I think um, indicators that uh, that um, the box office is back in a big way are still a little premature. I mean, Spider-Man could be an anomaly. Uh, we'll see what, what goes on next year. But as far as Matrix goes, of course, the other thing that kind of hurt box office-wise was that this is the last movie in uh, Warner Brothers' HBO Max's experiment to release thing, release movies same day. Same date uh, on HBO Max as well as in the theaters. So um, this is the last time you could take advantage of that opportunity to not go to the theater, but to just hang out. And this open, this was available on HBO Max, I think, starting Wednesday, I believe. So, um, you know, I mean, anybody, you know, all everybody getting together for for the holidays could uh, tune into this if they wanted to. We won't know how well it did uh, viewership wise on HBO Max because they will always keep those numbers to themselves. But uh, we have to we have to say that it, I mean I saw it on HBO Max. I don't know if uh, if did you guys all see it uh, at home or did you go to the theater? Home as soon as I saw it was available on Wednesday. But well, <laughs> correction. After I finished binging season two of The Witcher, then I watched <laughs> it Wednesday night. <laughs> I, I watched it. Uh, I think I watched it Wednesday night as well. Um, uh, Steve, what about you? I watched it at uh, at home uh, on okay. HBO Max. Yeah, gotcha. And Ashley, I was at home as well. All right, Mike. Uh, the first time I tried watching it, I tried watching it on Thursday, but fell asleep during it, and <laughs> then I started it back up Saturday night after we got home from Christmas dinner at Canton uh, Cooks and. We watched. We rewatch. We started from the beginning again, and rewatched it all the way through on HBO. 
So, yeah, so we all watched it on HBO Max, and I think a lot of people did as well. I mean, certainly did, yeah, a lot of people did go to the theater, but, you know, obviously um, it was hurt by that. It'll be really interesting. I think next year they've changed the strategy Warner Brothers has that they will release things on HBO Max. I think it's 45 days after releasing the theater. Yeah, I think I think Batman, because, yeah, they just confirmed yesterday that Batman is going to, the new Batman will be in that 45-day window. Right. And they've been making it very clear, especially with Batman, that it's going to be in theaters only. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, they are uh, definitely um, going to be uh, on more on the theatrical side, but, um, and we'll talk about uh, Kingsman and, 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 and that myth, but, but the projection of this movie was uh, twice as much as what it made. And so it was disappointing to Warner brothers as from what I understand from a box office perspective. Um, and this is a movie that's got a weird sort of history in terms of um, whether or not it was going to be made. Um, but uh, I guess we could talk a little bit about that as we talk about the movie itself. So Ashley, we'll start with you. What were your expectations going into the matrix resurrections? And uh, at, oh, I, at home, you weren't going into the theater, but uh, um, what were your uh, reactions after watching it? Yeah, so I have seen each of the Matrix movies just once about six or seven years ago. So I was a little worried about how much of it would come back to me, how much I could follow the story. I did watch a short So the first YouTube- one was released when you were like two, right? <laughs> no comment. So. Hey, Mike, but- you were giving her credit. I thought she was the newborn when it first came out. <laughs> yeah. <well. laughs> Something like that. But um, yeah, so I had to watch a little recap on YouTube, which thank you to YouTube. It was nice to get a quick refresher of the films and the universe before I went in to watch the new movie. And I had a pretty easy time following it. I think if you recognize most of the main characters and generally know what the matrix is, you can kind of track with where the story was going. I thought it was a really interesting concept. The idea that they have Neo creating this video game, that was actually his life story, but make him believe that it's a fictional thing that happened to him. So he's kind of trapped in that universe. So I thought that was an interesting way to kind of bring current events because when you think of 1999 doesn't seem that long ago which i think was when the first matrix came out but if you think about all that how technology has evolved and exploded since then it's like facebook all the social media um the fact that we're on like a zoom conference now i don't know that i would have anticipated that back in 1999 so i like that they kind of brought in some of the new technology and then also kept the focus on that relationship between Neo and Trinity. I think anytime you can focus on the human relationships, that kind of grounds the technology. So yeah, I would say that I enjoyed the movie. I'm not super into Matrix lore as I am into certain other franchises, but name <laughs> Star Wars. But um <laughs> Yeah, I I think it was an interesting experience watching it. I do kind of wish that I had seen it in the theater because I think that the visuals on a big screen would have added an element. For me, I I was thankful to have the HBO Max option because I wouldn't have had time or opportunity to get to see it in the theater in order to do this review. So I was grateful to have that option. But I do think some of these high-concept sci-fi blockbusters are you miss something when you watch it at home. But on the other hand, I am grateful to have 
that option, especially for people that aren't comfortable going out in public or aren't able to. So, right. or that are taking care of a you know <laughs> little kid. Yes, during, yeah, during the my, holidays. <laughs> yes, like I literally, I could not leave the house, just leave my baby snoozing at home and go to the theater. So right. I could go down to the basement and watch HBO Max. I was, I was quite grateful for that option. By the way, to our listeners, I, I don't think we've mentioned it yet before, but uh, we will be spoiling uh, both the Matrix Resurrections and uh, the um, King's Man. So um, we will be doing full detail reviews here. So if you uh, have not seen the movies. Uh, or you just don't want to be spoiled at all. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, you could turn us off and then watch the movies and then tune back in. But um, we appreciate. But please you. don't shut um, us off. We need the ratings. Come on, you know that. Yeah, really. Just uh, just uh, turn the volume down and uh, let <laughs> it play out. Um, <laughs> sure, uh, Jen. What about you? What uh, what were your feelings about the Matrix? What's your feelings about the Matrix overall? And then uh, how did this compare? Uh, you know. Loved the first two movies. I wasn't the biggest fan of the third one. Uh, it just was not a sat- satisfying end to me. Uh, so, but like the first one blew my mind. Where you know, me and my friends couldn't stop talking about that for months after it came out. I've and I've rewatched both for one and two multiple times. So I'd say I'm pretty familiar with a lot in the series. Um, I went into it with not a lot of expectations because I've just had to take this route of like only watch the first trailer of a movie that comes out because I'm starting, you know, when they release like the international trailer or trailer part two, they just start giving too much of a way of a movie. So I, I don't want to be spoiled anymore. I'm tired. You know, I'm just, I get all the Marvel movies spoiled for me without even trying to. So I avoid it. So all I really knew was, you know, Hey, we're going to have, neo back somehow and trinity back somehow and neil patrick harris will be in it and uh (laughs) hey that guy from glee's in it uh so (laughs) i was pleasantly surprised how much i enjoyed it uh i honestly felt like like i know it was a long movie but parts of me were like i see an edit there like there was all these parts where i felt like the scene could have been expanded or that it was longer at some point and they just cut it you know to get the film down so I could have used more of the story. Uh, I thought it was a clever way to resurrect the characters. I thought it was really dark what they were doing with the resurrected bodies. And what a cruel punishment to, you know, get the max power from them by keeping them near each other, but not close enough to be able to actually touch and always breaking them apart in the matrix if they got too close. And I really liked how instead of Neo just being the one and let's following this same trope of, you know, one dude is the savior that they broke that one's power apart in between the two, you know, destined to be together lovers so that they shared their responsibility. Although really Trinity came out on top a little bit more and was just, like you know what i'm fed fed up with you i really enjoyed that 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 towards the end scene of her taking out her aggression on the architect that was great (laughs) uh and i really appreciated the return to the body horror of the first movie we didn't get a lot of body horror in part two and part three you know we hadn't really seen any since uh neo had his mouth closed shut from agent smith in part one so i liked a seeing the nods back to that but then the the resurrection scene where the, where they were you know repairing the bodies and uh 
Oh, that was interesting. That was really like cool to, to me. See. It showed uh, it showed that you know, like the Matrix, they're 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 trying to give us a familiar setting and story, but they're also realizing, you know, like hey, movies have evolved, and if we're gonna tell this type of stories, we can show the real impact what this would this would have on human bodies, and uh, so all in all, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a a worthy entry i did not miss seeing it in the theater but it's also because i you know was in a sold out showing for spider-man the week before mm-hmm. and when that was not ready to possibly be around 150 other people again huh. uh plus i love the option of being able to pause an almost three hour movie and go to the bathroom and not miss something <laughs> so, <laughs> so so yeah i i uh i enjoyed it i'll probably buy it when it comes out on blu-ray because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of deleted scenes, and I want to see them. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, there, there could be, sure. Uh, another a director's edit, right? Yeah. Uh, uncut. Uh, Matrix uh, Resurrections uncut. I can see that happening. Yeah, I like, um, give, it, give us, our, give us the, the Wachowski cut. Wachowski cut. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Wachowski, one, just only one. Only one of them uh, yeah. was involved with this one. So, uh, um, but uh, yeah, and I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like with you, it, you know, I'm kind of, Every time I look at show times now or movie times, I'm like, they're over two hours, like over, well over two hours, two and a half hours. And I'm kind of like, when did that happen? When did all movies really start be- being like, I watched uh, last weekend, I watched uh, on HBO Max because it was the last week for it. I watched King Richard and that was two and a half hours. And I'm like, really? Does this really need to be two and a half hours? I mean, if it's got an epicness to it, I could see that, but. I don't know. So I you know, expect uh, my epics to be long, but like, sure. I remember a time where a movie was, a, you know, like movies are over an hour and a half and then they all of a sudden end. You're like, what? That's the, that's not supposed to end there. Where's the rest of the story? So for me, I'm like, just give me the whole story. I'll sit through a long movie. Give me the right, the full story and write it well. And I'm there, but Hey, yeah. If I'm somewhere where I can pause it all the better. Well, I think, you know, as Alfred Hitchcock said, the length of a movie should always be, um, I'm paraphrasing here, but should be like proportional to the size of one's bladder. So, um, <laughs> you know, and as I get older, I find that the movie should be shorter and shorter. <laughs> so, uh, Steve, what about you? What is your feelings about the Matrix franchise and how did this uh, hold up? Um, I will agree with, with Ashley and Jen, uh, some of the points that they made. Um for me, I really wish I'd had an opportunity to go back and, and rewatch the trilogy. Um, there were some points where um, things that I, I would kind of recognize, but I'd have to stop and go, you know, I'd pause it and, you know, okay, who is that? Who is that again? Um, you know, so in that aspect, the the opportunity to watch it on HBO Max is kind of nice. Um, I did get interrupted halfway through, unlike uh, Mike, I did not come back and, and restart it from the, the beginning, though. Um, but um, overall, it was it was a good movie. Um, I did. Um, I was, you know, those movies are very cerebral. So that is not um, a movie that you can really just sit and, you know, veg out for two hours and just, you know, enjoy what what's there. You have to really think about some things. Um and so I like the parts where, you know, Neo is, is now, you know, the matrix is a video game and, and, you know, but trying to piece that together, it's like, well, wait a minute. It makes you actually think, well, is that, was it really a video game or, or was it not? 
Um, but there were some some very enjoyable moments um, in the in the movie for me. Some intro, reintroductions of some of the characters. Uh, I did enjoy, even though uh, Lawrence Fishburne no longer uh, there as Morbius. I like how they brought Morbius, uh, Morpheus, uh, back to excuse me, uh, back to the um, to the story. Um, would have loved to have seen. I, I, I get that. You know, Morpheus has aged and and long gone. I think they said sixty years had passed, so that makes sense that uh, that he's you know gone at that point. But Smith, I would have liked to have seen back, you know, or Hugo Weaving back. Um, that would that would have been a a really good point for me. But but overall, no, I I really enjoyed the the movie. Um, I I agree with Jen. It was nice to be able to stop it run to the restroom and at the end of the movie you know if you're you know like we're all used to seeing marvel movies now having to sit and 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 not just wait for the end of the movie but uh Hmm. but the end credits as well before we run off to the restroom right um so it's it it was it was enjoyable seeing it at home Hmm. i don't think there's no post-credit scene in this i don't think Uh, there is is there? there is yeah, yeah, there's a the very, the very, very, very last minute of yep. this of the scene. <laughs> did I? Yeah, they did they I talk about that? cat videos. It's awesome. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah, it's the group that's brainstorming. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did see that. I did see that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Mike, uh, what about you? Um, it was interesting because it was coming back to old concepts, old friends, and. For me, it was truthfully a story about middle age and it was, you know, coming to terms with your mortality that you might not be as strong or as your life might not be everything that you originally thought it was. And, you know, at the end of the first movie, they made, you know, Neo out to be Superman, basically, you know, able to do everything. And... I loved how, you know, they portrayed that through the second and third movie. And then in this movie, that's how they caught him in the loop. And he was the programmer of the games and was putting that in. And, you know, sometimes you look up at the sky and it's like, is this my life or is this just a story? Or is this, you know, not reality? And, you know. Lots of drugs in college did that to me. So I do understand that. But it's interesting to see it on screen. And it was always Neo was the big, powerful character. I loved in this how they made Trinity a much more powerful being. And the two of them together were unstoppable because they it was almost like they took all of Neo's powers and split them between the two and that was awesome and I thought it was very well done that way it was neat to see a new version of Morpheus you know because I think in the video games that they did for the Matrix they ended up killing uh, Lawrence Fishburne's version of Morpheus And so this played right into, hey, you had to do the video games to understand why Morpheus 
was, you know, now a simulation almost. And it was it was neat to see. Did I love the movie? It was okay. I enjoyed it. Would I watch it again? Probably not. Um, the first one was groundbreaking. The first one blew my mind. I had saw, I've had seen it over a dozen times just because for at the time it was like nothing else ever out there. And using effects and using CGI ways that we hadn't seen before. And this almost felt like Hey, we've done that already. Let's just, you know, tell a story and throw in some, you know, stopping bullets and some special effects. I was sad that, you know, we didn't get Lawrence Fishburne and we didn't get Hugo. It would have been awesome if when they revealed Smith and then he came back at that at the coffee bar scene, if it would have been great, you know, Smith, you know, still was the his was Neo's boss, but then he like pulled off this mask and it was Hugo there would have just that would have blown my mind that would have been like mr anderson you know it would have been just awesome just for that but overall you know it was good i liked you know seeing doogie hazard it was great in this movie and you know he's never patrick, gonna he's gonna never, never gonna live that down no he's not no neil patrick harris was awesome and i liked him but and I liked how they had him originally as a therapist, trying to, oh, tell me about it. And I loved how he was giving Neo the blue pills. That was just awesome, you know, constantly to keep him in check. So it was good. There was a lot of good about this. So, yeah. Um, well, as everybody mentioned, you know, the Matrix movies, especially the first one, you know, was a was a mind literally like was a. I, I can't say the whole word on this podcast, but it was a mind f, you know, like you it could, really. You could say like, it. I could just, I could, blo- I could bleep you. <laughs> I do it all the time, Mike. It, it's true, it's true. Um, but um, and it really made you like you came out of there. It was really cool with the bullet time and the special effects and the action sequences and how slick and cool it was with uh, Keanu and the whole cast actually. Um, it was really, and I just, I guess I never thought of it this way, but this movie made me realize, wow, the matrix is really a movie of its time. Like, I I don't know. Like, I mean, it's been, as Ashley pointed out, it's been a long time since the matrix has come out. All the technology advances that you said, all the different ways that we consume media has changed. Social media has changed. Heck we've had a pandemic. We've had nine 11. We've had so much happen in this, uh, since this happened. And, and it and it almost doesn't seem as relevant or as cool. Um, it's sort of like, oh yeah, those old Atari games were cool, but um, but now we've moved on. So um, you know, as as far as taking that concept and updating it and blowing our minds again, you know, if it, if they're trying to do that, they've got a huge hill to climb, and I I, I don't think they tried to do that. I think they tried to, it almost seems like they tried to sort of end the saga a little bit differently because maybe even they weren't satisfied with the ending of the the, the third one. Um, to be honest with you, I did not go back and rewatch all of them either. Um, and, uh, and I think that speaks highly of like, uh, none of us did that. So we were all like, yes, we are invested in the matrix, but not enough to like, Ooh, let's watch them all again. I probably haven't seen two and three uh, since I saw them in the theater. So I didn't even remember 
what happened to Neo. I didn't even remember what happened to Trinity. Um, so I had to, you know, like you guys, I had to get refreshed on, on like, okay, so where were they at the end of the saga? And then I read it. I, I was like, really? That seems kind of lame. Um, like, like, like the way that the, the original saga ended, uh, the trilogy ended seems kind of lame. And it seems like this one was much more of a, well, it certainly made it more of a love story. And, and, and uh, more hopeful, more hopeful. Ending. And more hopeful. Yes. Thank you. Because yeah, I guess the regular saga ends with, yeah, I was kind of surprised because I'm like, wait, the Matrix is still around? Like, they didn't defeat the Matrix in the original trilogy? Like, it's still there? I'm like, okay, well, all right. Um, so that, you know, and and look, like, the entire first act is, is I, hate, I hate using this word, but it's so appropriate here. It's so meta, it's almost sickening. Like the fact that, you know, uh, they're for the company is forcing them to make this this sequel to this big game. But and they're going to do it without the creators if they have to. But they're pulling the creators in. Uh, That's exactly how this movie was made. Warner Brothers was like, we're going to do it. Um, And, you know, one of the uh, Wachowski said, "Uh, no. And the other one said, I'll do it. Um, So, well, to be fair, uh, the other one, you know, she, she said she's dealing with a lot of personal things sure, and, sure, sure. and she sure. wasn't going to be able to give it the focus it deserved yeah and well i mean talk about things that have changed like you know like how different like you know how, how many years has passed you know um uh you know so they've gone through a lot of changes personally uh since this was made um and i i so so yeah the 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 sort of the first act felt really meta um and i you know after a while i kind of like i like i yeah i get it and then then they started like getting involved with what i think is really intriguing about the matrix is like what's real and what's not what is the matrix how do we know like where we are and what how do we know we can trust what's real what is reality in this scenario and um you know i was kind of disappointed that that wasn't explored a little bit more um and uh i ultimately was disappointed by almost everybody who was new in this um really not not only did i (laughs) not only did i miss uh hugo weaving the uh the guy they got replacing him as the as the agent smith did not work for me at all i did not find him intimidating i did not find him interesting at all he just seemed I've never seen him before. I don't so, see, I, uh, I've seen him a lot and he plays creepy characters. So that's, I was just like, okay, yeah, you're, you're playing a creep. Okay. <laughs> that's your and, type. And, you know, I hate to like, you know, I hate to like put that whole Doogie Hauser thing on Neil Patrick Harris, but I mean, I think he did okay in the role, but I just didn't, it didn't work for me as the analyst. I, I just thought that, um by the time I, I he proved threatening to me i just was not invested at that point um so um and you know the, the younger morpheus is fine um but you know it just seemed like with everybody else it seemed like and uh, you know and and like uh the new character uh bugs right oh i loved bugs bugs she's, was awesome i liked her she was she was interesting but after she's introduced we just pretty much don't care about her we don't the, the movie doesn't it's not about her at all 
So, you know, she introduces us to the, the, this universe or this world, but then she kind of steps aside. Well, we had that whole, you know, her getting in trouble with Niobe. Like, I mean, they they gave us her side story throughout the movie. I thought, plus if she hadn't have done this, you know, it was her choosing this movie over being in Shang-Chi that gives us a possibility of her coming (laughs) back into the Marvel, you know, (laughs) staying as Colleen, uh, I, I forgot to mention, like in addition to Bugs, I also like audibly cheered when all the different cast members from Sense Eight showed up. Another oh yes, I, you know I, I, I did rec- I, I did recognize them as well, including um, including our girl Freema from Doctor Who. Yeah, like um, I really enjoyed each of them in their yes, roles that they yes. that they had been cast in. I thought like some of those people were actually more interesting than some of the bigger names that they or the other names like the, that they got to the blonde guy who was leading the tactical team yep. through a lot of it. I can't remember his name, but he was the German in in Sense Eight. I really, uh, really appreciated his character at a lot of the, the new ones that we saw. And and just like the concept of The Matrix, the original movie kind of blew our minds, so did the effects. In this one, it just seems like they're just piling stuff on and it doesn't really... I mean, some of it's kind of cool, but every once in a while there's a shot that I'm like, oh, look at that truck falling, like going head over, whatever, and... And, you know, but it just seemed like noise to me. It really didn't seem, I wasn't invested. And maybe it would have been different if I saw it on the big screen. I don't know. But um, I, I think that it just was uh, a little, it, this felt smaller to me than any of the three movies. And it felt like the one thing about the second movie, and I know I'm going on here, so I'll fit, but um, the one thing about the first movie, especially the second movie, that that uh, my favorite scene in the second movie, probably my favorite scene outside of all the first movie, in this in the t- in the other two, is the highway chase, and it feels so open and so amazing that anything could happen. This one was very. Cl- I don't know if it's because of COVID or what, but it felt very claustrophobic. Like, oh, the Matrix really isn't that big anymore. <laughs> like, it's it's just a small like it like the streets. The city streets just felt like little sets. They felt like small little sets, like Sesame Street or something. Um, so, so I, I I was not as impressed. Um, I thought of, I I liked seeing uh, uh, Keanu again, and uh, and I give him credit because at first I thought, oh, he's not, you know, he's doing the John Wick look now, and he's not going to shave. He's not going to be the Neo that we remember. But then. As Jen pointed out, once he's like out of the pod, I'm like, oh, well, he did go full. Like, like he did get shaved because, man, yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty gruesome scene. And that stuff is still pretty like tough to take. And the whole scenes where they're being resurrected and everything yes, yeah. was yeah. creepy, was creepy. But I'm, um, glad they, I'm glad they didn't shy away from showing. I'm glad that didn't get cut. Oh, right, right, right. Well, I mean, it was necessary because yeah. otherwise you're like, how are they like? I don't understand how they're back. <laughs> like, like yeah. what, what are they? Right. And I don't know if we ever get a really definitive answer, but um, you know, it works for that. Um, but enough, yeah. So I was, a, I was more disappointed. Um, Ashley, what's something else about the movie that struck you either good or bad? Well, one of the interesting things is kind of a behind the scenes bit. I saw a quote um, from the director and she said that the story came for her as a way to deal with the grief of losing her parents so she wanted to do something hopeful about bringing people back so I thought that was a really interesting piece like we were talking about the end 
of the matrix was a little bit more darker in tone, but yet this was very hopeful and almost a more lighthearted tone. So it does interesting speak, I think, to the way people change over time. This is not the matrix for that maybe she would have made five, 10 years ago, but this was the story she wanted to tell now. So I thought that was an interesting bit of it. I did also really like uh, Jessica Hinwick as Bugs. I thought she had a cool look about her in terms of character design and just liked um, the whole vibe of that character. And yeah, I think those were some other things that I found interesting. I did end up having to watch this movie in two parts. I watched half of it on Thursday and then the other half last night. So I feel like it would be one if I were to sit down and be able to watch it in one sitting um, to process the impact and also like watch it with all three. I think it's always interesting if you have the time to watch a film series all in a row, some of the interesting things that can pop out. Like at the beginning of last year, I watched all the Star Wars movies in chronological order and I got interesting things out of it, even some of the ones I didn't like as much. So I would be curious to see what the experience of watching all four Matrix movies and see how they fit together or if the fourth one is kind of a departure, the reasons for that and some of the choices the director had made. Hmm. Hmm. Jen, what about you? What's something else from the movie uh, that struck you? Uh, that you, I could see, well, at least how I felt. There was a bit of um, some. Oh, what's that movie? I'm gonna forget. Is it, is, is it Nolan who does uh, the odd movies? It did did the more like visually odd movies after uh, after he left Batman: The Dark Knight. Well, he has a yeah. I mean, he oh, does a lot you of mean, like you mean like in, Inception and stuff like Inception, that. Inception, yes. So yeah, yeah. I yes. like to, to me. I saw some uh, visual influences from like Inception and other Nolan movies in some of the city designs and stuff like that. Um, so I found it kind of interesting, which I increasingly do with especially sci-fi and fantasy properties, is how you can see how each a bunch of different directors and designers. In, are starting to influence each other's stories it's not you know it used to always commonly be like oh that's influenced by star wars that's influenced by star trek but now there's so many different uh, uh ways of telling a story and ways of presenting them visually now it's neat to pick out the smaller influences that maybe not everybody is going to be aware of and maybe the people making the movie weren't even aware of they put in there um and I definitely noticed the almost following the Marvel method of inserting more comedy. Mm. Um, you know how that changed once we hit Ragnarok, where, you know, all of a sudden we had this breath of fresh air with the character of Thor because they added this comedy. But now it seems like a lot of movies are doing that uh, as they go farther in a series or farther in their universe. So it was like some of it was genuinely funny but also some of it was just odd like do we need to have a joke here <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I i would understand making neil patrick harris's character have some odd funny or meta moments but uh the the ridiculousness of the post-credit scene for example did we need that i don't know Who's who? Who is that bonus scene for? Really? 
Yeah, before um, what? Before Smith reveals himself, the guy, that character mm-hmm. was, yeah, was like, this guy's annoying. I hope he's not in the whole movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Steve, what about you? What's uh, something else that you took away from this? So one of the annoying things uh, for me was they kind of turned Neo into a, in my opinion, a chihuahua with a bark collar. Um, you, you, he's, his most powerful weapon is rendered inert. Um, his, his, you know, his abilities and things like that. Um, and it almost kind of rewrote everything to turn it into not just that, you know, Neo is the one, but, you know, Neo and Trinity are the one or the couple. Um, little, you know, little aggravating there to see, you know, as Mike said, you know, you've got Superman and then all of a sudden he's he's taken down um, and made less than. So made for interesting storytelling mm-hmm. but ultimately i think you kind of damaged the the character a little bit mm-hmm. mike what about you i love what steve said it sounds awesome he was agreeing with me <laughs> so it's perfect <laughs> um no but um i like the characters it was neat to see the evolution of them but most of it did like I was thinking it's just like a lot of them just fell flat. I did, you know, I did like some of the new characters. I thought the effects with Morpheus were awesome, especially, you know, when he was like in the real world, it was kind of neat to see, but overall, you know, I don't think many of them were that all that memorable. And I, you know, I think this is truthfully to me, I think it's the second best matrix movie we saw um, compared to two and three, but I not a hundred percent sure, you know, do I want to see continue? I don't know about that. I think this is a good end point. It was very positive in a very dark situation in a dark world. And I would just like say, let these characters be what they are. But you know they're going to make at least ten more sequels. So, I I think uh, yeah. I mean I well I mean you know box office wise I don't know what message it's sending to Warner Brothers, but I will say that you know it's it's an IP that they have and they want to they're gonna they're gonna either reboot it um, in a few years or they're gonna continue it. But I think if they continue it, I think it's going to be without the uh, creators. I think it's going to be without Keanu. It's probably going to be without Carrie Ann Moss. I think they could uh, easily make it an HBO Max series. You know, that would like be awesome. Eight to ten I could episodes see and go on some of the ancillary characters uh, yeah. that we've met in like IO or something. Like they did with the animated series where we got other stories from the Matrix. Like, give us that now. What happens to the smaller characters? What happens I... when the... What about the... The, the robots become the 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 the, the synth the synth synthians <laughs> like how did that happen you know show us when the some of the some of the 
robots decided to join humankind side and help them build a society or are they really helping or is it a long play for <laughs> the matrix yeah. down the show, line show that uh, robot civil civil war <laughs> yeah <laughs> Give us the Terminator. <laughs> One of the things about, um, you know, Force Awakens is that it's difficult for us to see the the heroes that we grew up with in the original trilogy win the day and then it not really hold very well. Like, the, the world is still messed up. There's still an empire. There's still... Like, they did their job or they got rid of, like, you know, Vader, the Empire, and Empire, but they but they really kind of failed because the universe is still messed up and you see, and, and throughout the movies, the star Wars movies, it's difficult because all of them have flaws and all of them, uh, you know, what happens to them is not fun to watch in the trilogy. Um, I kind of felt like that was in play here too. Like, you know, Neo's the one and, um, and I think there is a, a strong case to be made in the original movies that he really is only the one because of Trinity. That that bond is there. And I do like the fact that it's acknowledged in this one on much more of a definitive way. Um, but I will say that, you know, I mean, they did all that work. And 60 years later, there's still a Matrix. There's still people in pods. They're still getting like there's, you know, and, but there's just sort of this like peace between the people in the real world and, and they're no longer in Zion. I can't remember where they moved to. Io. But, Io. Oh, Io. Thank you. Um, but, uh, you know, there's there's people hanging out there and then there's the people like there's the Matrix thing going on and they're just kind of coexisting. But they it's are very I mean, like humans are better off than they were the 60 years prior like they're they're able to grow not real the ones, food not the ones in the pods <laughs> but you know they did make an interesting point of saying that the majority of those humans are happy just where they're at yeah because yeah. i mean they were shown that, that there was that, a matrix. that's the that's the bad guy i'm not saying he's lying but i'm like that's the bad guy telling you that right like let's, let's he's not doing it for their own good let's put it like he's not saying we the matrix exists so that they we can keep these guys happy i just want to make these people happy that's not why he's doing this <laughs> but given the choice sheeple will be sheeple I'm, look at wally come well, on well that you know you're you're not you're not wrong and if anything the last like you know 20 years has kind of shown us that 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 is a relevant discussion um i wish it was made more of a discussion here because you're right it is still pretty open you know, I mean, we are left with uh, Neo and Trinity kind of going off and, and uh, you know, saying that this time they're going to they're going to free the people. They're going to free the world. They're going to show people that they there's a reason to to want choice, freedom of choice. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. I think that we're going to show them they have a choice. So yes. they're going to they're yes. going to give them the option to stay plugged in or come out. Right. Or travel gonna, back and forth. You know, I think I think they want everybody to take the red pills, right? Um, uh, you know, and then and get you know the matrix will collapse. Um, I think that's the ultimate goal, but you know, I I, I I don't know. I just felt like it. Yeah, and I do think though I would I would support you know in a couple years if HBO Max says we're coming out with a matrix show, and it's you know 
it's 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 done by the the people who like did Westworld. I'm like, I will watch that. I will be there like right when it premieres because I think that would be a an interesting like because there is some interesting things there. And I think done in the right hands, it could be really, really fascinating. I, I think there's a lot of pro, there's a lot of potential here, but I it ultimately it didn't land for me. So um but uh I guess we will um close by just giving a rating. Out of and, and, and what's that? Out of? Out of um one out know. of one. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You want to do five? I don't know. We do, we do, do the we typical do one out of five stars. One out of five stars. We'll do one out of five stars. Ashley, where did the Matrix Resurrections land with you? I'd say probably three and a half stars. Enjoyed watching it, um, but I feel like I didn't quite get as much out of it because I'm not as familiar with the franchise in the world. But also would agree with everybody else that I would love to see an HBO Max series. I think that would be a great use of the platform. Uh, Jen? Uh, I'd give it a four and a half. Um, Liked it. Think it was worth being made. And as I said earlier, I'll buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray so I can have all those extras. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably watch it again on HBO Max, you know, before before it goes away. I'll probably watch it again. Because I'm sure I missed stuff. I'm sure there's Easter eggs. There's always Easter eggs. There's always Easter eggs, yeah. So... Those those uh those CG digital guys they always throw in stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure there's a, like a lot of like because I don't like I said I didn't remember the other movies so I'm sure there were places or mentions or characters that you know that I completely missed. Uh, like they just went right over my head because I didn't get those references. Um, but where did you do you stand on the franchise now? Is it in good shape? You want to see another one? Well, as I said, I'd like to see the the series. Um, okay. Um, with, with with Neo and Trinity, no, like I think I think uh, I think a series we could you know have it said that like oh they're off they're busy they're rebuilding the world they're giving people a choice you know uh, <laughs> right. and that you know like the like the the cast of Sense Eight like I was really bummed when they canceled Sense Eight yeah. let them let them have a spinoff I, w- I would like to follow their characters around I mean I don't think I don't think they all survived. But uh, good actors, you know, casting with good actors. Bring Freema back in. Wake up her character, you know. Give us these people we are familiar with on our smaller screens that already have a fandom attached to them. Put them in the world of the Matrix. Let's let's have some smaller stories, and then we could just be like, oh yeah, Neo and Trinity—they're off in the mountains. Uh, they're uh, on a retreat. They're they're they're, they're rebuilding Kilimanjaro. You know. <laughs> We, we can acknowledge that they're still around and, uh, you know, getting stuff done, but too busy to come down for these smaller stories. I don't want another movie. Gotcha. No, no okay. Gotcha. Movies are done. Okay. Uh, and I certainly don't want to reboot. Like, gotcha. leave them alone. Do not reboot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Steve, what about you? I would probably say a three, uh, and I agree with Ashley. It was an enjoyable movie, but it's not going to be one that I'm just is destined to sit on my my shelf of Blu-rays or um, you know added to my digital collection. Um, if if I get an opportunity, it's a slow day. I may rewatch it. Um, may rewatch the entire trilogy and boom, add that one on. Uh, but it's it's not something that. Um, is is definitely going to be added to my collection. 
Uh, as far as the spinoff idea, I think that's a great um, concept to stick that into uh, an ongoing uh, format. Um, obviously, other uh, series have had success doing that. I think you've you've got a, a lot of material in that IP uh, to farm out. Which I'm sure uh, Warner Brothers will do. Um, yes, I am, I'm positive uh, that at some point within the next five years, something Matrix will come out, um, I'm sure. Uh, Mike, what about you? I'm going back and forth. I'm thinking probably I'll give it also a three. It was fun to watch. And would I want to see a sequel? No. But would I want to see maybe a world-building series around some of the characters on HBO Max? Possibly. I'm not 100% sure if it's for me. I only watched, like, the Animatrix, um, I think, once. And there were some decent stories, but it's been a while, and it didn't stick with me. So I'd be just very curious to see what they decide to come up with and where they decide to go with it and then go from there. You know, is it enjoyable? Is it a popcorn movie? Yes. Is it, was I glad that I didn't have to pay for it, that it was on HBO? Yes. And you know what? Enjoy it if you liked it. And I could see reasons why people did like it, but it just wasn't for me. Yeah. This wasn't actually both of the movies we're reviewing uh, were not movies that I would have gone to see in the theater uh, under other normal circumstances. Um, I, I just uh, they weren't enough for me uh, to to go uh, to go there, um, and so I'm glad I didn't you know obviously do that for this one. Um, I probably am going to I'll, I'll give it I'll give it a two and a half. Uh, just like right there, like half a five right there. Um, there's some good stuff there to be sure. And there's certainly nothing. I mean, it's not poorly made. I will say that like, it's, it's beautiful. A lot of the shots are gorgeous. The special effects are, are great. You know, um, uh, they do the bullet time thing. It's almost like they, it's almost like the bullet time is almost old hat. They just kind of do that. Um, a little, little disappointed. The, one of the things about the first Matrix movie that I love so much, it's got one of the best soundtracks I've ever, I've ever experienced. And unfortunately, I didn't feel that way about uh, this movie at all. So uh, a couple of cool moments, um, you know, hearing that Jefferson Airplane was cool. But uh, um, apart from that, I, I didn't feel like uh, the music was as solid as some of the other entries. So and some of the other things weren't as solid either. But if the franchise continues, I'm interested I like the concepts and I'm still waiting. I'm not putting this on the matrix franchise as a whole, but I'm still waiting for that really, really awesome, cool cyberpunk movie to come out. So someday I will get that. But in the meantime, uh, you know, I'll settle for another matrix uh, series, not a movie. So, so that's where we stand on the matrix resurrections. Um, thanks everybody. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back with the Kingsman. So, Brittany, Martha, 
Tell me about your podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like we're in sync, but also kind of a disaster. We are always a disaster. So our podcast is fun if you want to hear two people talk about and complain about stuff that <laughs> a they lot of love and also hate. And drink. And drink. And the show is yeah. called? Oh. <laughs> But, but first, first let's, let's talk, talk nerdy. nerdy. And you can find us on the ESO Network. Bye-bye. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> Our guest of honor, Rasputin. Are you waiters or Englishmen? Whatever you are, get me a drink. Are you a monk or a ballet dancer? Why don't you glide over there and get me a drink? Small things can grow into big problems. We are the first independent intelligence agency. While governments wait for orders, our people take action. Welcome to the club. You're going to need a suit. Very clever. Time to dance. that boys are always so messy. I'm gonna love killing you. We shall see. Welcome back to First Station One. Now it is time to talk all about The Kingsman. It's actually a prequel to the first two movies. So it should be very interesting to talk all about this one. Take it away, Mikey. Yes, and talking about it, we will. We uh, we lost Jen and Steve, uh, so they have not yet seen this movie. And again, if you have not seen this movie, don't want to have any spoilers, uh, please feel free to uh, check back with us later when you've uh, watched this movie. It's right now available only in theaters, so this is one that you cannot watch from home. Uh, it was originally supposed to open in 2019, so this is two years old. Um, <laughs> so weird to think that it's two years old and it's just being released uh, now, um, but it got pushed back. And of course, like most everything else, pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. It's been trying to kind of find an opening in between Marvel movies to like... <laughs> to find an audience or whatever. And finally uh, they just decided to release it. Now I think they've got the, the proper third Kingsman movie in production. Now um, I'm not sure if that's already been shot, but I know it's in production. So, um, and this is a little bit different. This is like, uh, like you said, Mike, it's a prequel to the Kingsman movies that we've seen in the past, the other two. Um, and um, I want to know exactly how you feel about it. So we'll start with Ashley what were your feelings going in? Because we've done all, we've done the other two Kingsman movies here, and I think we've all pretty much liked them, enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first Kingsman movie is one of my um, favorite. Like, I've had a bad day, and I need to watch something fun to cheer me up. Movies. I just really love it. The combination of the very British feel, but also this like really over the top 
action sequences and it's just such a fun movie. The second one I didn't enjoy quite as much, although the Elton John cameo was absolutely a delight. So that is it's worth watching just for that part. And then I was really intrigued by the prospect of doing a prequel, especially one set during World War One. I'm not going to claim to be a history buff. I don't have an extensive knowledge, but that is one of the historical periods that I become interested in just because I feel like it's not really well known or discussed here in the United States. I think it feels like one of those conflicts that happened overseas, so it didn't have as much direct impact, but all over Europe. I mean, millions of people died. It was one of the first modern war and just some truly horrific inventions used to carry out this war, just how awful trench warfare was. So really a very dark time in the world. So I thought it was going to be interesting that they were going to go back to that time period for the prequel. I will say that I'm still kind of working through how I felt about this movie. There were things that I liked, but also things that didn't sit as well with me. I think it's tricky when you're setting the mood. Kingsmen are kind of over the top action sequences, but also you have it in this very dark setting. So it almost felt like a weird mashup of the first Kingsman movie and then the excellent World War One drama 1917, which if anyone listening has not seen 1917 is just a phenomenal film. I highly recommend it. But yeah, it was kind of hard sometimes to get used to the jarring shifts in tone where you'd have this more serious moment and then something kind of like a crazy action sequence after that. So yeah, there were things I liked, things that I didn't quite as much, but curious to hear what you guys thought of it as well. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're right. Um, you know, World War One seems to be getting, well, over the last few years, you know, we've got uh, with uh, Wonder Woman being set during yeah. your first Wonder Woman movies being set in World War One. Uh, as you mentioned, 1917, War Horse, uh, directed by Spielberg, uh, based on the play uh, that coming out, and then of course uh, the uh, the footage, the documentary that Peter Jackson did uh, a couple years ago, wasn't that World War One footage? That yes. He, uh, oh yeah, that yes. one's incredible too. Yeah. If so, you get a chance to see but that it. was more of a documentary yeah. than. It was a documentary. Yeah. Yes. It was well. Basically, he was he took a lot of like existing footage and restored it, and I think colorized it too, right? Or, um, uh, but anyway, presented it. I don't. I haven't seen that one, but uh, so I don't know exactly. But you're right. I think a lot of people don't know it as much in the events that happened in World War One and and the the countries involved and why things happened the way they did. Um, but yeah, so it's a very interesting to have this set at that time. Um, and, and maybe, you know, also during that time, a little problematic between, you know, be, because of what, uh, England kind of was the history of England and this movie kind of addresses that a little bit, but yeah. So, um, Mike, what did you, what were your feelings going into this and, and, and started watching it? For me, you know, I'm a history buff, and if you want to learn about World War One, first off, don't go off of a Matthew Vaughn movie, folks. <laughs> you know, it 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 played fast and loose with a lot, and it was very interesting to watch this movie. 
I love the first Kingsman movie. Like Ashley, it's a feel good movie. It ain't that kind of movie, dude. You know, <laughs> you know, and you know, it's Sam Jackson's awesome in it. You know, I love the first one. It's raunchy. It's fun. It's things I had missed from watching a James Bond movie in a lot of ways. Where the second one, it lost a lot of its fun. I think a lot of the fun in that one was Elton John, like Ashley had said also. <laughs> you know, and it was great. They had a lot of opportunity for some amazing stuff in the second movie. And I don't think it was played out well. So when they announced that they were doing a third movie, but as a prequel, I was very, very interested to hear um, when they had... You know, Ralph Fiennes announced as the lead in it. I was like, it got me interested. He's a fantastic actor. Mm -hmm. And I like almost everything he does. And I was very curious to see what they were going to do with it. And I wasn't disappointed with seeing this movie. Um, I enjoyed it. Was it the best movie I've seen? No. But it was a fun movie. And we'll... I'm sure we're going to talk all about that and, you know, but it was just, it was just an interesting adventure compared to the other two also. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the other Kingsman movies, probably not as much as you guys, but I, I did enjoy them. Uh, you know, certainly the over, oh, uh, the style that Matthew Vaughn has where they're really over the top. You've got some uh, pretty amazing um, sequences, uh, action sequences, shot from different angles that you don't normally expect. Um, there's a very, and I mean this in a very positive way, not a derivative way, but there's a very much of a comic book feel to it. Um, so that, uh, you know, there's an element of fun. It's not, it's something that you can be invested, but it's not a, like a serious spy drama right um and not at all um and uh you know it's certainly a a um a different there are i mean because it's a british spy organization of course the uh you know the the comparisons to bond franchise are are number are numerous uh, i do find it interesting that you know the current uh head of the secret service in the bond movies m is is the main guy in this that forms the Kingsman, you know, like that it's just like, um, and he seems so much younger in this than he does. I don't know. I mean, obviously this is a couple of years old. Um, and I don't think they did anything with special effects, but um now I think if I'm not mistaken, was his was uh was his brother in the Avengers movie or was he in the Avengers movie? Fines. Oh, he hmm. was in the, he was in the uh, Avengers movie. Avengers movie. Yes. Okay, because he's got a brother that acts really well as well, um, and I and they do look enough alike that sometimes I get them confused. So, um, so I wasn't sure. I couldn't. I couldn't remember which one was in that. But in any case, um, so I went in this. Uh, I like I said, this is probably not a movie I would have seen in the theater otherwise. If we weren't doing it for the show, I probably just would have waited till it was streaming or something. Um, and I could have watched it on, you know, whatever streaming service. Uh, but, um, you know, the theater was not that packed when I went. Uh, as we mentioned before, box office wise, this movie did not 
really performed very well box office wise. Um, it performed, uh, I think it was um, like fourth for the weekend, but that's not saying a lot. There was a big mm. drop, you know, the, the, as you get went down, like from the first to second to third, the drops were like very significant. Um, and I think this made about half of what Matrix made, mm. but it probably only cost about half of what Matrix made to cut, like to make. I don't know. I, I haven't seen the the, the actual box, uh, the um, the uh, budgets for these. But in any case, um, I was kind of surprised that it took a uh like kind of ashley said that not that it was set i mean i kind of the fact that it was you know set during the time of world war one was interesting but this movie seemed to try to have its cake and eat it too like be a very in some ways very serious world war one movie um the first time the, the entire world was at war uh which is significant um, that the king's that the that the king's service kingsman service would be formed during this time, um, and they're trying to avoid the war, um, which you know they 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 fail to stop from happening, but they you know help aid in its uh in its in the ending of it, uh, but you know it, there's like a lot of like really comical stuff. Uh, the the bad guy, um, the main head bad guy, um, didn't work for me. He was this sort of like mysterious, like comical figure. Uh, and then when it, by the time he's revealed, it was really to me anticlimactic. I was like, oh, that guy, okay. Oh yeah, like, I, I remember just, him. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. I mean, I figured they were hiding the identity for some reason. That it was going to be somebody that we knew, but then when they revealed who it was, I was just kind of like, "I okay, whatever. That doesn't okay. What? Yeah, that doesn't. It doesn't make sense. But okay, whatever." Um, and uh, so that didn't work um, as well. Uh, I think they had, uh, yeah, Tom Hollander played like a three roles, right? He played like King George, and then of course uh, the Kaiser and the Czar, right. um, which I thought was interesting. Um, I don't, <laughs> historically, I don't think that works as well, but, you know, um, I, I thought that it was kind of an interesting decision. There's very much a, a, a comic book element to it, like this very simple, like cartoony kind of to it. Um, but then they've got this really serious segment in the middle with the sun and, and during, you know, going and being at the front and the way that that plays out. I don't know. Anytime you go, you deal with no man's land. It's really intense, and it's really something that I don't think you can take lightly. Uh, yeah, and, I, and, and it felt really weird that sequence being in this movie. Yeah, the knife fight that took place like in the darkness, like that was almost felt like crossing over into a little bit of horror with the gas mass and just how intense that was and then seeing the people be sent over the trenches into their deaths and like knowing that this is a real type of thing that happened and just how many people were senselessly killed over these tiny strips of land and just how um i thought it was pretty sobering as you see the time lapse of like this beautiful countryside get bombed basically into oblivion so yeah it's 
I was surprised by how serious and, and dark it got in that middle section. Agreed. It was it was interesting because those scenes were very like, oh my god, this is the fighting scenes were just awesome, you know. But in most of his movies, they are, and but how serious it was between you know with the knife fights. They didn't want to do a gun battle because then they would alert both sides, and they would have been bombarded, and that was what was interesting about that scene and then for the son after he makes it over it back into the foxhole to get shot by friendly fire it was just like really that was just almost that was almost like anticlimactic in some ways and because you know you thought he was going to be one of the king's man, he was going to be one of the the first, and then for that to happen, it was just like, really, it was like we built up and built up and built up, and then boom, he's gone. It was like, I thought that was kind of, I don't know, that was my most disappointing part in the film. Um, I the I was enjoying the film up to that point. I loved the scene with Rasputin was just awesome. <laughs> That was just so well done. And I was just, you know, I was, it was just a neat scene. The guy, the actor they had playing Rasputin was just awesome. And I, that worked a lot for me. And I thought, you know, some of the other historical characters like Marahari and some of the others and the president, you know, her was just not, that those didn't work. But it was just like some of the others did, and how they enacted the uh, the assassination of Ferdinand was awesome. I love that. That was really well done, also, because that's pretty much what happened. You know, he was assassinated right on out the street. They went down the wrong way, and he got killed by you know a would be assassin, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, um, I mean, taking these real-life events and then kind of showing this light on it was, I don't know if it really worked that well um, for me either. Um, I will say because Rasputin is sort of this, like, larger-than-life character, like this, he's sort of like this mystical, legendary figure that he really works pretty well as a big bad. And uh, much more than the real Big Bad does. Like I would have been, I would have like if I was writing this. Like I would, you know, you've got a Big Bad in Rasputin. Why do you need anybody else? Like this guy is like, you know. And that fight sequences, that fight sequence between them was really great, and that whole stuff. Um, but yeah, the you know the the um, uh, the Duke of Oxford, uh, Orlando. Um, or Arthur as his code name uh, turns out to be later. Um, you know, he's sort of like, he's sort of involved and then he's not involved and then he gets involved and then he's not involved. And that bounce back and forth didn't really work for me. And then, you know, by that point, you know, to have his son die, to have him get involved then uh, just because the King says, you know, I need you or whatever. I mean, it, it, it drove it home that he's a King's man. Like he's a man of the King, but I think it just 
didn't feel like it felt like he was the character was being forced to do this rather than it felt organic. Um, uh, the acting is great for everybody who's doing their 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 bits. I didn't feel anybody was like miscast or whatever. I think everybody did as well as they could do. Um, but I think the writing was just a little bit. Uh, um, it could have been shorter. I don't think you needed um, this epic tale. And I, I would have, I don't even think you needed that whole like no man's land stuff mm-hmm. in there. I think you could have done the movie and, and, and because that really brings you down. I mean, and I know it's, it's, it's a death. So of course it's going to affect you, but it just, like you said, Mike, it seems so senseless. And I guess that's, that's sort of the point of it because this is an anti-war movie. Oh yeah, of course it is. Very much so. Yeah, I I feel like the death of the son just sucked a lot of energy out of the movie just because he's already been through that grief and pacifism is so important to him. I think I was thinking about this later, something that might've helped. You have the son that switches places with that other soldier, Archie. Maybe if the movie had done more with Archie, like the dude kind of takes him under his wing, like they form a bond they develop kind of father-son relationship. And then in the end, he's, oh, I want to adopt you. I want you to inherit my estate. And I want you to help me found Kingsman. I think that might've helped a little bit, establishing more of a connection with them. So that it kind of helps with the tragedy. When you think about the Duke's life, just it really is a downer. And that's not necessarily, I think, the vibe you want to go for with the Kingsman. So that's a change I would have made that I think maybe would have helped with the overall tone yeah i will say as far as the sequences go even though i will i do agree with you that the kind of the air had been let out and by the time we get to the climactic like end with the you know the the, the barn on the top of this ridiculous cliff thing um the way that matthew vaughn shoots that i mean certainly um it 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 even then i wasn't i didn't see it in imax or anything but there, my acrophobia kicked in a few times where i was like oh this is like making me a little nervous like you know um it was kind of uh and it was ridiculous you know him like you know in the goats and all that kind of stuff and 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 but that's what you kind of expect from these movies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and it's ridiculous in a weirdly bad way when uh they do the the whole trench scene i think that's, oh, exactly that's that's a really really dark dark ridiculous but mm-hmm. the big bads headquarters reminded me a lot of the headquarters in what was it for your eyes only in james bond i think it might have even been the same location that they used yeah i don't yeah i don't know if it was the same location but it was uh yeah it was reminiscent of the the last act of that yeah and um, and it was it was interesting to see and yeah, it was kind of ridiculous. Only one way up and one way down. And, you know, I loved at the end. So how are we getting down from here? You know, it's like, oh, that's going to be a nice little hike all the way down. Well, I mean, you have to really suspend your disbelief in this movie. Like, you know, he's coming in on a plane and he's parachuting in. And yet we're led to believe that nobody on the thing sees him at all uh or here's the engine or you know yeah any of that stuff so it like it yeah that's all a bit crazy um and and even though the big bad sort of has this sort of mad on for england and the king in particular 
It's not really clear why he wants to bring the whole like world to war like this. Um, and, and what their end game is and even why afterwards, you know, we've get a mid credit scene. Thanks Marvel. That's a thing now, I guess everybody's doing it. Um, where we get a mid credit scene where Hitler's introduced and it's like, okay, is there going to be more of these or like, what's the end game for like this group now? Um, I, I just, I don't know. I don't, that was like, not that clear to me. Um, and like, as you said, the Matahari stuff was just like completely wasted. Yes. Cause she's a great character. She could have done so much in it and it was just like oh she's cap she got captured already oh they you know showed the film with her and the president and it's just like ah, okay that's it i expected so much more from the character and it, that was you know it was kind of disappointing with it but i was i did like you know some of the supporting cast was just amazing in this i loved the uh to his two assistants, Ralph Fiennes' assistants, I loved seeing Dijamon. How do you pronounce his name? Um, uh, Dijamon yeah. Hansu, and I thought he was amazing in this film. Mm-hmm. And I also loved uh, the young lady playing the uh, maid. But she was also a crack shot. She was also the code breaker. She was also it was it was just awesome and everything. I love those characters. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think uh, the cast is good, and the characters uh, that Orlando has with him are are pretty are pretty good. Um, uh, what did you think of? Uh, and yeah, we mentioned um, uh, Shola. Um, or, but, uh, what did you think of Polly? It is Polly, Polly's aid, right? Yeah. Okay. Trying to keep all the character names straight. Yes. So yeah, I liked her character and, um, the way that she got involved. I really liked the network of the people that, um, would ordinarily like worked in uh, service roles that people would kind of ignore. It reminded me of kind of like Downton Abbey, like the people downstairs know all the gossip going on upstairs, even if they're not told it directly, like, you know, what's going on with these families and all their drama. So I really liked that they relied on these people to collect information that they kind of fly under the radar of these uh, great houses that they served in. So I thought that was a pretty cool concept. It was a great idea, you know, because people will, you know, spies, like he said, spies are looking through the keyhole. We have people actually in the rooms with them. Yeah. And that was actually, it was like, okay, that totally makes sense. And it was, it was it was really well done and I loved how he brought his son originally in, you know, like, okay, you're ready to see this, you know, you're right. You know, I don't need you sitting on the sidelines type thing. And that's where it threw me for a loop that they killed the son off. And it was just like, after all that, all that, all that world building that they did and then boom, just like that. And it's like, yeah, I know the senselessness of war. But still, it was just mm-hmm. like, it didn't make it. That's one of the things that brought it down 
with me. And the other thing that brought it down, truthfully, is all of a sudden, you know, they were all dressed in the suits. They were all wearing the glasses. They were all, you know, it's like, I want to know why they chose the glasses and, you know, you know, the nobility look and everything for being the Kingsmen. They just, like, they they rushed it too much at the end, I think. I can see that. I mean, they obviously all are pretty much nobles. Um, I mean, almost everybody in that room, except for maybe Archie, uh, was uh, was not. Um, Archie Reed was in the room. And I was glad to see him in the room. But like you said, um, Ashley, I think it would have been cool if we had had some more development with him. Um, because he comes in as just sort of to let him know that they swap places, but you know, what does that mean? Um, so, um, but yeah, and the, the anti-war message or that the senselessness, I don't know. I think that there's still in Britain a very, I get the impression that there's very much still a, a anger about the senselessness of the first world war about how many boys died and how futile it was just that shot of showing all the men uh by the uh the trenches nobody no no characters that we knew just a bunch of guys by and then just getting killed one by one by one (laughs) and 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 the numbers racking up as to how many boys were dying um was was pretty telling and it's almost like, you know, I can understand that that was senseless and I get it, but it's like that happened like a long time ago. That happened like almost a hundred years ago. It's like, it's like, yeah, you can still be mad about it. And and there are still people, you know, obviously the higher ups governments or whatever are still today making decisions that are just as heinous. Right. Um, so but that direct tie-in I didn't feel was, was there. I, I sort of felt like this, the people who are making this are angry at a war that happened a hundred years ago at decisions that were made a hundred years ago. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm not arguing that they were good decisions. Uh, and I'm not arguing that I'm not even saying that they are wrong to be doing this. It just seems like it's kind of weird to put that in the middle of this, like, really bonkers insane like video game-esque action movie (laughs) yeah i feel like they would have been much better served to keep world war one far more in the background maybe the majority of the film had been set in russia or something like that put a lot of more focus on rasputin as the villain and focus more on the spy work behind the scenes versus the showing the combat in person, which really darkens the tone of the film. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and specifically showing what the Kingsman does, which is they, they are not, they are not, they don't answer to the King, right? They, they do what governments will not do. They, they work, they don't, they work outside of governments. They're not a government agency. So I, I like the idea that it's kind of, that it has origins from like the Red Cross, like they're trying to keep the peace and they will do whatever's necessary in the world to keep the peace. Um, and yes, they're British. And, but the whole problematic thing comes when 
you realize that the British Empire was full of colonizations. And certainly when you see that opening sequence with, that takes place, what, in, in Africa? In South Africa in 1902. Yeah. That, like, I'm like, how am I going to root for any British people in South Africa? <laughs> like, 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 that is, again, a little problematic, too. And, you know, he he does say, I think Orlando does say at one point, you know, like, you know, we've made a lot of mistakes and uh, we've gotten to where we are because we've defeated and been assholes to really like a lot of other people. And um, it also seemed weird that they invited the king to sit in the Kingsman council at the end. Like that did seem kind of a choice. Like yeah. he's kind of like part of the problem of this complicated web of rulers in Europe at the time of world war one seemed kind of strange that he was invited to be in this group. Yeah. yeah I thought you know, so good call. Also. I thought it was odd scene in there too, especially since he's just in a suit like everybody else. I'm kind of like, that's the king. <laughs> yeah. like, do you have bodyguards like outside the door? Like, um... <laughs> can, the king be, can the king be a king's man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. So, all right. So, um, so overall, um, well, how did you feel? I guess we'll sort of um, rate it a little bit if you want. Uh, if you want to rate it uh, one to five or talk about it in relation to the franchise and are you looking forward to the third one or do you think this will have implications going forward um or do you want to see more of of ralph in these uh in these adventures do you want another sort of spin-off series uh, ashley where do you stand with uh this this foray into the kingsman franchise yeah, I would say I would be interested in another historical set Kingsman if they wanted to do something around like War Two time, but I think it should again be one of the war is much more in the background and you're focused kind of on the spies, the alternate history bit. And I would be interested in a present day Kingsman as well. Um yeah, definitely the first one. I don't think any of the sequels or prequels have quite lived up to the heights of that first one, but I enjoyed that um, first one so much that I'd probably go back again. They'll have to burn me a lot more in order <laughs> to get me to be done with the franchise, just because they bought a lot of goodwill with I really, really love that first one. So I would be interested in seeing more from this universe. I think they really need to be mindful of the tone and kind of what they're doing with the story and kind of maybe veer more towards the style of the first one. Mm -hmm. I could agree with that. Mike, what about you? I agree with what Ashley said. I definitely would love to see more historical um, stories with the Kingsmen in it and, you know, how they're more behind the scenes doing things maybe more and like the cold war era or mm, yeah you know stuff like that you know kind of like almost in parallel to what bond is doing you know almost it would be kind of neat to see how that how that worked one of the things i did notice about this movie it was nowhere near as crude as the first two were mm -hmm. and it almost seemed like uh at least the main bad guy was just throwing around f-bombs just to just to warrant giving it an R rating. <laughs> like, oh man, we haven't filled our quota yet. So exactly. <laughs> so he's just going to like do an F bomb, like every, every other word. 
Exactly. And so, you know, oh, just because he's Scottish, he just drops the F-bomb? No. No, no, no. But it was, I liked it, and um, it got me intrigued. And I liked some uh, some of the characterizations, but there was, like we said earlier, there was just a couple things that pulled me out. This is easily a three and a half for me out of five. And I definitely, if it's on HBO or if it's on TNT or something, I'll watch it again. I, uh, yeah, I don't know that I'd watch it uh, again per se. Uh, I think, um, I would, uh, hmm. I, I, I like this franchise. Okay. Like I said, this, I wouldn't, if we weren't doing it for the show, I probably wouldn't go to the theater to see this, but that said, I didn't feel like I completely wasted my afternoon. I thought it was, uh, it was enjoyable to a point. It was interesting. Um, I do think, uh, watching Matthew Vaughn, I don't think in this one, he was as, uh, risky, or as um, uh, innovative with some of the camera angles and stuff and action sequences that he usually is. Uh, but for example, scenes where um, uh, the last, uh, the, during the last battle showing the sword fight from the sort of the swords point of view or whatever. I like that idea. Cause I've never seen that before. Um, and I like him doing things like that of that nature. Uh, but there wasn't as much of that in this as there has been in the other two movies. Um, so but this one, like I said, it tries to have its cake and eat it too. It tries to be like this sort of like anti-dark, dark look at war. But it also, you know, is this sort of like fun action movie too. And I, I just think it's kind of a weird mix. Uh, but I will say that Fines is really, really good as uh, the main character. He can definitely carry a movie. If they do another one of these, I and with the same cast, the same like you know, his same uh, crew, um, I, I will be interested. Um, you know, obviously, you know they're kind of hinting that you know it would involve World War II in some way. Um, I actually think I'm I'm more prone to be to be interested to watch him than I am um, uh, Taron Egerton. I will say that. <laughs> Nothing against Taryn. He but, makes a great uh, Elton John. He does. He does. Um, but I, in those movies, I kind of liked the other guys like Mark Strong and Colin Firth a little bit more than I liked uh, Taryn. So, um, um, and, and, and Fines is right there as well. So if they do make more of these, uh, I will be tuning in. I don't know if I'll rush to the theater to see them. But I'd give it maybe like a like you said, Mike, about a three. You know, um, it's a little bit more than half. I think uh, I'm not going to go all the way. But I think it's interesting that both these movies, what they both have in common that we reviewed today, uh, is that it seems like the best movie, the first movie was the best one, and they've gotten all worse from there. <laughs> they, yeah. they just they just keep getting worse. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Although, I don't know, Ashley, would you say this is better than the second one? I would say yes. Um, I don't remember a whole lot about the second one other than Elton John. So I feel like the story of this one will I'll remember it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'd be more likely to watch this one. If it was the second one, I'd be like, I'm just going to watch the first one. But this one was different enough that I might go back and, and see it again. 
but uh, like we've said before, the darkness, especially that middle mm-hmm. part, probably would keep you from rewatching this one as much as you've watched the other ones, right? Yeah. And also, it felt like a weird movie. I went to see it like before my day off. I was excited, like the holidays are coming. It's like I walked out of the theater. That was kind of a downer, and I wasn't really expecting that based on the previews. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that Christmas time was a great time to release it, especially so close to man which was a overall feel a feel-good movie and the, there was tragedy in that one but it felt more earned than some of the moments in this yeah i agree i agree completely awesome well um those are our thoughts on the uh, the king's man um as well as earlier you heard our thoughts on matrix Resur- Res- resurrections i'll get that right um, we gave you eventually. a double feature folks we did we did i know we did this is the first time we've done a double feature was it was it uh, what how did you feel about doing a double feature was that something that uh, you'd want to try again maybe i would be open to it it has to be two really good movies so well uh hopefully we would pick better movies right <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we I mean, badly. We we I don't think either of these movies lived up to the expectations I think we were having for these. That's Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I think that's fair. I think they both kind of yeah, they both are are a little bit lacking, I think. But they're not terrible. No, by no means. No. So so, all right. Well, cool. Well, um, I guess we will take a quick break now. And uh, when we come back, we're going to close out the show. Tired of the same old movie podcasts? Yeah. What if I told you there's a podcast that gabs about good and bad movies? Why are you spreading such lies? It's true, you rascal. Every week, Double Edge Double Bill mixes that scrumptious taste of good movies with the sour flavor of a bad one. That sounds tasty. Well, don't delay. Stuff it down your ear throats today. Double Edge Double Bill is part of the Balance ESO Network Breakfast. can be found wherever you download podcasts. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. want to, of course, before we get out of here, say a big thank you to our friends over at Inked Marketing. Inked Marketing has a brand new Kickstarter starting up. It's called The Killing Machine, starting on the 11th of January, 2022. Who is Richter? Richter is an autonomous robotic commander, an ARC put in charge of a crew of 39 human soldiers on a mission to steal an ancient artifact known as the Hand of God from an alien race. Loaded with destructive hardware and lightning-fast reflexes, Richter is a formidable killing machine. You can even get a free digital download preview. Look at it. it they have it up on Inked Marketing's Facebook page, but you can go to inked.pub the killing machine to check out the Kickstarter. Check it out. It's great stuff from Inc. Marketing. And now, of course, let's say thank you to all our great people who have joined us tonight. Of course, first, Steve, you made it for, through your first episode, man. 
Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, definitely enjoyed it. Well, you were all worried, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Am I, how do I, how am I going to do on the podcast? You did great, dude. You totally did great. Really enjoyed the, the content that uh, you guys put out on the ESO network. Um, I was introduced to um, the content from a buddy of mine, Bobby Nash. Um, and so, oh, that bomb? Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Went to high school with him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely enjoy y'all's content um, and really enjoyed tonight. Thank you all for having me. Appreciate it. Dude, it's been awesome. Really great. And I wish you a very happy new year. And we hope to see you again up here very, very soon. Thank you. Anytime. And Jen, thank you as always for being here with us tonight. Oh, it's a pleasure, folks. Anything you want to promote or shout out about? Hey, uh, don't forget you can find me and my podcast partner, The Geek Father, on the Blurred Nerds podcast right here on the ESO network. And I guess in a month or two-ish, you'll find me uh, back with the boys on the Dragon Con report as well. It's it's sooner than you think, my dear. It's, <laughs> it's sooner always than... sooner than you think. <laughs> it's like the hint of brimstone. The smell of apple pie is in the air already. It's just <laughs> starting. So, you know, it's just right around the corner. Before we know it, September is going to be here. Oh, God, that hurts my head just saying that. Sorry. At least I've already got my hotel. <laughs> hey, hey. That is awesome. That is really awesome. And, of course, Ashley thank you as always for everything you do for the network we do appreciate it oh thank you always a pleasure anything you want to shout out about yeah um you can find my entertainment blogs over on the eso podcast website in the next week or two i'm planning to do my end of the year wrap-up so my favorite movies and tv shows of the year and it's exciting to actually have enough content to write about in 2021 my 2020 end of the year wrap-up was a little bit kind of sad and dreary so nice that we have some good quality movies and tv shows and all that good stuff to talk about this year i was about to say you know oh too bad wandavision wasn't 2021 but then i stopped myself and it was 2021 i know some of that stuff feels like is that really this year but it, it counts so yeah it does and it's pretty amazing and thank you for everything you do like i said earlier it's it's awesome to read your columns weekly and you know hearing you know what, what your opinions are of stuff and it's it's just awesome oh thank you very much and mr mike we made it through another one my friend we did and as always it's my pleasure what do you got a shout out about sir um, look, I mean, I, it's pretty redundant at this point, but it's, uh, I have to say, you know, it's been another crazy year. Um, and I just wanted to give a shout out to all the, uh, wonderfully patient folks that, uh, have supported the, uh, Tiki Zombie 10 year Tiki Versary, uh, Kickstarter. Um, I admit I was overly ambitious when I set up the goal to have everything out by the end of the year. Um, but, uh, look, it's been a great, like I said, the reasons for the delay are just too numerous to mention. Uh, but we are moving forward. We're continuing on. I got some new pages from Peter. Um, and, you know, I'm getting them, you know, almost daily with updates. Uh, I released a couple of pages to the, uh, Facebook, uh, uh not to, well, the Facebook and to social media, as well as on Kickstarter Messenger, so so people can see what we're doing. And uh, as we go forward, there's going to be a lot more updates as well. 
uh, as we get closer and closer so people know that they're actually getting something. But, you know, it's a to, to the credit of everybody who is, uh, has uh, supported my project, which I'm so grateful for, uh, that nobody has complained or nobody has questioned. Uh, I think, actually, probably anybody who thought I would have the book down on time would have been really shocked if it had actually happened. Uh, but... Um, uh, I appreciate it so much, and uh, believe me, we are uh, not uh, substituting um, quality for speed. We are putting a lot of love and effort into every page of this, so uh, it's going to be worth it when you finally do get your hands on it. I love the artwork that you've been posting. It looks great, and Peter has been doing some amazing work. So definitely, f- definitely check it out. Hopefully rather sooner than later in 2022, as we like to say. Mm-hmm. So two things I'm going to shout out about first. Uh, one, of course, wish a very, very happy birthday as of this recording date, the 27th of December 2021. Let's wish Mark Maddox, the award-winning artist, a very, very happy 60th birthday. Gosh, Woo! I heard AARP was just camped out in his front yard, so... I'm very, very happy to say happy birthday, Mark. We're very, very excited for you. And happy birthday, my friend, from the bottom of all our hearts. We really, really appreciate everything you do. And you know what? I can't think of a finer artist out there. You know, definitely you take it to the next level with everything. So happy birthday, my friend. Also, uh, Judy and I did watch another movie other than the two that we are reviewing. We actually watched this movie called Don't Look Up. It's on Netflix. It is a disaster movie for this, this where we are in the world right now. It, it's it, a little I, too close. It, it's really <laughs> too close. It really, it's a lot of fun. It really hit some nerves. And we just sat there and was like, oh my God, this is what would happen. So... Definitely check it out. And I couldn't believe the who's who that is in this movie. It's it's like one of those old, you know, Irwin Allen movies from the 1970s where everyone and their brother was in Towering Inferno or something like that or the Poseidon Adventure. That's what this felt like. And definitely check it out. It's on Netflix. It's called Don't Look Up. And definitely, definitely check it out. Of course, that's going to finish up our episode for this week and actually for this year. We're done for 2021. We are done, folks. But we will be back again next week and for the first episode of 2022. And we are putting this damn year, 2021, in the geek seat. We are strapping it up and tying it down, folks. We are going to tear it apart. We're going to talk all about it. It's going to be a ton of fun to do. And we have some great folks lined up already for it. Some very familiar voices you might have heard tonight. You never know. So it should be very fun to do. And we definitely, please write us. Let us know what you guys want to put 2021 in the geek seat to talk about. We definitely would love to hear that. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Of course, as always, as we like to say on the show, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Audible. That's right, folks. Audible is out there, and we can be found with all the other podcasts. And you can even find us up on Alexa, and you can go, hey, Alexa, play the Earth Station One podcast. Thank you. I just had to do that one more time this year. 
Of course, please subscribe and tell everyone about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Ms. Ashley Pauls, Ms. Jen Adams, and Steve Fowler, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next year. And please, folks, have a great and safe New Year's. We want to see you back again. Take it easy. Peace. And we are done. Ciao. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.